0: One of the blessings of having grown up in San Diego is that my family and I, we would regularly go to the San Diego Zoo, the Wild Animal Park, SeaWorld, where you got to see these amazing wild animals. And uh, they are amazing in, in their variety and beauty and abilities. And uh, Then though, you see them, you know, at the, let's say SeaWorld, you see Shamu and playing almost with the people. And then, but then you watch a, a National Geographic special, And you see how they are in the wild. And there's a lot of violence in the animal kingdom, right? Uh, You see them tear apart these seals, right? And you just saw the seals, sea lions perform in another show. Now, Isaiah, Isaiah describes the coming of the Messiah, the shoot of Jesse, that is, the tree of from David. That lineage had kind of been cut off. But there's going to be. Uh, a new leader, a a king to rise from that. Upon him, the Spirit of the Lord will rest. And his just judgment will bring about a universal peace, which is described in a way that a child might envision how wild animals relate. Did you get that? The the wolf and the lamb, they hang out. (laughs) The cow and the bear. A lion eating hay a baby playing in a cobra's den. Isaiah explains that on God's holy mountain there is no harm. Now, of course, this is not the world in which we live, neither the animal kingdom nor human society. But the coming of the Messiah has brought us glimpses of this kind of amazing peace where former enemies are reconciled. I just wanted to share a couple of those glimpses one happened in 1914, the beginning of World War I. And there was a brutal trench warfare. The Scottish and French troops had just attacked the German trenches. Both sides had suffered heavy casualties. And Christmas Eve, a German soldier began to sing Silent Night. Scottish pipers heard him and began to play their bagpipes in accompaniment. The singer came from his trench holding a small, evergreen tree, risking his life. Various other soldiers came out and stood in the space between the trenches. They wished each other a Merry Christmas in various languages. They exchanged sweets and champagne. They showed each other photographs of loved ones. The next day, they officially declared a truce, allowing each side to recover its dead and giving them a proper burial. And the priests celebrated Christmas Mass. And they played a game of soccer together. Now we know that truce didn't last, right? World War I would continue on for another three years. But that was an image of how God wants things to be. And what brought them to that peace celebrating the birthday of Christ. Another glimpse of God's holy mountain involves a girl named Maria Gretti who in 1902, she was sitting, she was an Italian, sitting in, in the porch outside the stairs of her home. Alessandro, she was only 11 at the time, Alessandro, a farmhand who lived in the same building as her, had evil intentions in his heart, he saw no one else was around. He tried to force himself on her. She said, no, Alessandro, it's a sin. God does not want it. And in a furious rage, he stabbed her 14 times. She was taken to the hospital, she died the next day, but before she did, she forgave Alessandro. Alessandro's heart was hardened. He was unrepentant, he tried to avoid the consequences, but he was found guilty and he was sentenced to many decades in prison. Three years into his prison sentence, his heart was still hard. when something miraculous happened. He saw Maria in a dream, she appeared to him, and she offered him white lilies this converted him. He was sorry for what he did. He began spent the rest of his time in prison believing in Jesus, trying to live the message of Jesus. And when he was released, the first place he went was to Maria's mother and to beg her for forgiveness. And the next day, the two of them went to Mass together and received communion side by side. In 1950, when Maria was declared a saint, there, at the canonization ceremony, were her mother and her murderer. A glimpse of God's holy mountain. Now, why do we not live in that reality right now? Well, the problem is sin. Human rebellion against God's order. And so, John the Baptist is preaching repentance, turning away from sin, turning back to God, in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. And he describes this coming of the Messiah, though, not as a necessarily just kind of pleasant, comfortable experience. He speaks of an axe cutting down fruitless trees, of a winnowing fan that separates wheat from the chaff, of a baptism of of the Holy Spirit and of fire. I always understood the fire to be the love of God, which is an eternal reality but it will be experienced by us differently depending on how we respond. It is a fire intended to purge us from our sin, to make us capable of true love. But we must be willing to let our sin go. Otherwise, holding on to our sin, we will be cast into a fire which is torment. Remember, nothing harmful can enter God's holy mountain, not even the evil desires and attachments within our hearts. Those have to be purged before we can live together on God's holy mountain. Now, the coming of the Messiah involves distinction, separation. This is the image of the winnowing fork and the threshing floor. So we're not farmers, but, uh, and I, I'm not either, but I researched this. So uh, you harvest the wheat, and so you want to get the grains. That's the valuable stuff, and separate them from the straw, which is useless. So, first they're put on a threshing floor. There's different ways of basically crushing them to break them apart. And then there's a a winnowing fan, which is kind of a a forked instrument where you you take them, you, you flick it up into the air, and the wind blows away the straw, which is light, and the grains fall into a pile. And that's how they are separated. There is a crushing and a lifting. A blowing away of the insubstantial and a keeping of that which is valuable. We can think of the distinction that is made as between people, good and bad, but I think it's more helpful to think of the distinction between the good and bad, which exists in all of us and around us. That first reading also includes a description of the gifts of the Spirit. So all of you have been confirmed as Catholics. Most of you... Teenagers, you study the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the seven gifts. And so these are first attributes of the Messiah that we come to share and by our union with Him. And four of the seven gifts, wisdom, understanding, counsel, and fortitude, although they're distinct, they're all kind of about perceiving things as they are and making right decisions. So that we can be like the Messiah who judges with justice and decides a right for the lands afflicted. An ability in Christ to distinguish not only between good and bad, but between better and worse. To sift through the various messages that we receive from the society, from others, from outside, but also to sift through the various thoughts and emotions that we experience internally so that we can learn to distinguish the voice of God from the voice of the Father of Lies. And so this is a, disti- this is a kind of distinction we all, distinctions we all must make. And then that gift of fortitude helps us to follow through with doing the right no matter the cost or the suffering that it brings us. When by God's grace we live that way we will be experiencing a glimpse of God's holy mountain.